Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to QT Talk Talk. This is your host, Owl Rare. And for today's spotlight, I have the honor of interviewing with Charlie Haruki. Charlie, how are you? I am doing great today. It's a wonderful morning. It is. We are experiencing warmer than usual weather here. <laughs> Same down there. You're in. Oh, okay. Um, I'm in the uh, Williamsburg area. Okay. That's in uh, Virginia. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I used to live in Richmond, so I totally, I totally kind of understand it's similar, similar weather as it's like, you know, sometimes like 20 degrees warmer just because <laughs> just because just because we're close to water or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Charlie, um, you described yourself as an independent artist, singer, songwriter, producer, and you have a calling to make music about love and light. Um, could you tell us some more about this? Yeah. Um. Well, I started making music in like 2018 actually specifically March 1st 2018 is when I first started writing um, songs again um, I like wrote poetry and stuff like that in high school and then I like quit for like a really really long time um, and yeah when I started again it was purely based off of uh, what I call a calling an urge an itch like something above me telling me that I'm supposed to do it like, I remember that day that I really couldn't focus on anything else that I wanted to do, like, things that I looked forward to doing, just, like, I, I couldn't do anything, just, like, you need to, you need to write, um, and I feel like it's a calling because it's kind of carried me through up until this point it wasn't just kind of like a flash of inspiration and it never came back um i feel like it's still there with me right now and will be so that's why i like to call it a calling like because it's, it's not going anywhere i wasn't called mm. per se you know what i mean yeah I continue to be called continually um i love that so um what I really I want to know more about what kind of might have caused the absence of writing poetry. Ah, uh, um, that's a good question. So, yeah, I wrote a lot of poetry in middle school and high school. Um, even though for the longest time, like ever since I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I did. Like, I thought I wanted to be a doctor until I was like maybe in. 10th or 11th grade, and then I thought I wanted to be an actor because I discovered I really love performance. Mm -hmm. um, but in the midst of all of that, because I was very, I guess, goal-oriented, I was very, I guess, tunnel vision, um, once I got to a certain point in high school, everybody was telling me about getting into college what I need to do for this and what I need to do for that. Um, I guess I concluded in my mind at the time that the poetry wasn't really serving me. I didn't really like sharing it with other people. I mean, I'd share it with my family, and they'd be like, oh, wow, it's so great. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd share it with, like, close friends, but it's not like I'd announce myself to the school as a poet. Um, so just after a while, 
like it just kind of took less of a priority to me because I was so focused on getting into college and just doing what I was told I was supposed to be doing at the time. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. When I was um, also applying for colleges and different things, um, I, yeah, I used to write a lot of poetry and then it kind of like stopped once college came in and you just kind of get overloaded with, you know, everything. There's so much happening, so yeah. many new experiences and you kind of, yeah, you kind of lose that routine. Um, so what caused you um, to start writing poetry? Was it kind of to connect to deeper feelings or did you just write poetry because you liked um, creating something that flows? And also, like, what type of poetry did you like to make? Hmm. Um, well, I guess those reasons changed over the years. When, like, when I was, like, really, really small, like, I'd write poems or, like, songs, and, like, when I, back then, it would be because I enjoyed the flow. Like, I didn't really put too much thought into the lyrics at that point, but I was mm-hmm. super, I was super little, and I just liked the idea of making something flow and, like, songs and stuff. But, yeah, I didn't even mention that. Like, I used to make songs when I was in elementary school, but I, like, totally dismissed them. I blocked them out of my memory sometimes. But, yeah, it technically started, <laughs> it technically started there. Um, and then I was just like, I'm not good at making songs because I just wasn't putting any effort into the like words or anything. It's just like, I'm not good at making songs. Maybe I'll just like, I'll just write. And that's by the point I was in middle school and it became a lot more about the words, significantly more about expressing what was on the inside in a, in a way that I felt was meaningful or Mm -hmm. unique like a unique perspective. I felt myself by the time I was in middle school gaining quite a unique perspective compared to the people that I was meeting along the way. Just being a black, being a military brat, having to move around all the time. Like, um, I didn't know I was queer quite yet, but I knew I was different. So like, I, by that point, I I was definitely noticing that I was different and I kind of wanted to express that get that out of my head and i enjoy doing that with words that's amazing it's definitely a good way to get out of your head just utilizing words because sometimes we don't have the we don't have like a way to express you know the things that we want to say from our mouths all the time so sometimes it's you know so i really was drawn to the idea of having a diary or a journal as a kid just because there's so many things that I was like, I don't know how to talk about these things, but I know how to write them down and look at them and maybe share them and maybe not. So, yeah, I can really relate to that. Um, so do you feel that um, being a songwriter, I, I kind of saw this um, connection here, but being a songwriter as a producer, you do kind of offer the healing aspects of a doctor, but also – um, you really get to jump into more of those performing aspects that you like as well. Um, so is that kind of what draws you into doing things that are healing, but also with a performance aspect because you were into being a doctor and then into being an actor, and then you kind of just found 
this connection there, or is that just something that kind of developed on its own? Um, yeah, no, I think I think you really hit the nail on the head. I, I always say that I feel like my whole life has led me up to this point, even though I really had no idea if you would have told me 10 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I mean, because before, like, I started college as a theater major or whatnot, and then I switched to psychology because I kind of got back in the mind frame of kind of wanting to help people. And I kind of got in my head. I didn't think I would be a good actor and all this stuff. And who knows, maybe I was right. I, I do kind of want to try again one day. But um, I had gotten back into psychology, and that's what I got my bachelor's in, um, thinking that I was going to be a counselor because I very much wanted to help and heal people. Um, and when I started majoring in psychology, I just figured this was like, okay, all of my life I wanted to be a doctor for the most part. Maybe I just kind of looked at this the wrong way. Like, maybe I can help people in a different way. So I went down that route. I got my bachelor's in psychology. I started grad school for um, for mental health counseling, and I did, like, a semester and a half. And that's when March 1st, 2018 came, that second semester. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't, like the, the realization didn't come that instantly, but, like, um, during that time, I, I definitely figured out, like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be, or I am supposed to be doing. Um, this is how I can help people. This is, this is where my strengths are, um, yeah. that I can utilize the best. Not saying that I couldn't do any of the things that I was setting out to do before, um, but I realized that music is where I can utilize my strengths the most. And it feels right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really important to just dive into, you know, the different things that you want to do. And I feel like sometimes we don't get enough time between the gap of like being in um, you know, high school and transitioning to college to really have time to like meditate and think about what we want to do. And yeah. I think that really hinders <clears throat> sorry, a lot of people's ability to, you know, make a good decision and then you end up in debt with, you know, all this money and you didn't even want to be what you are now. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's also tough because we change so much from like 18 years old until, you know, 30 years old. And it's just like, all right, it takes this many years to become a doctor. And then by the time you become a doctor, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, do you even want to be a doctor anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that. Oh, keep going. Sorry. I'm so sorry. And that, and and I was just gonna say, in that aspect, I'm really grateful for my life journey because I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't feel like I wasted any time at all. I feel like every single avenue I pursued, like I said, has led up to where I am right now. And I use everything. I use the writing that I used to do. I use the fact that. I was in chorus in school. I was in band in school. Um, you know, I take advantage of the fact that I enjoy studying. I put these concepts and ideas into my songs in a synthesized way that I've learned from my college experience. You know, like I, I feel like all of all of the things that I've been through, I can use right now, and I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for that because I know not a lot of people. Can, feel that way about everything that they've been through. Though, I will say that 
it's possible with a, with a change of perspective. I love that. Do you feel that um, some people are working careers that no longer really fit who they are because of this kind of non-ability to really kind of meditate on what you want to be after college or high school? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I remember, like, kind of going into college and all the college advisors kind of warning me of that exact thing. It's just like, well, you know, you're saying that you want to do this right now. Um, but a lot of times this ends up happening or something happens and you want to change. And I thought, you know, never me, like that's not going to happen to me. And it certainly did happen to me. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I've seen it all around, you know, college and, um, even, uh, I, even I feel like probably more so in the generation above us just with how society and the generations above us just because how society has been set up you know you go to school you go to college you work a job and ideally for them you work at that same job for the next 20 years so you can retire you know so that doesn't really give you a lot of room a lot of time a lot of in-between time to figure out meditation stuff because there's a steady progression of stability that we're trying to gain here in america um yeah it's a rat race. <laughs> but I feel like as time goes on, we are going to have more of a chance to break out of that cycle. Um, I feel like uh, the generation under us, I mean, our generation is changing a lot of things, but the generation under us is going to be immensely impactful to the world, I yeah. feel. Um do you so feel that I, our generation has an effect on, you know, how the younger generations see the world? Yes, absolutely. I, and, and um, like I said, that's why I, I feel like our generation is definitely changing things and the younger generation is watching us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're watching us and they're emulating us already. They're not. They're not sitting back and waiting until, you know waiting until the right time or whatever our our parents told us we had to do. Like, I feel like the, the progression is going to pick up quite immensely after us, our generation. Well, I'm excited for that shift because we, I feel like we'll have some, so many more happy people in the world when people aren't forced to spend 40 hours of their week doing, or 40 plus hours of their week doing things that aren't really in line with their calling. Yeah. So I wanted to jump into the calling. What do you, what do you believe, how do you believe like folks can find their calling? How do I believe that folks can find their calling? Um, I guess the simple answer would be to meditate just Mm -hmm. to, 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 uh, to clear all of the distractions, all of the chaos from your mind, and and then see what pops up. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're not worried about anything, when you're not stressed about anything, like when you can just focus on you, what is it that pops up reoccurringly? Like you have to practice it. You can't just sit down, do it one time. And then, like, the first thing that you think of is, like, oh, that must be my calling. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. 
you know, I feel like it takes consistently going inward with yourself um, and seeing what you find. I love that. Consistently going inward. So um, how did you find meditation? Uh, Well, I've been through a lot of therapy. Um, I've dealt with a lot of, like, depression and anxiety. Um, So that's where I was first introduced to it, though I admit it didn't really do much for me when I was being introduced to it back then because I guess I'd the way that they explained why it would be useful didn't really resonate with me for whatever reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But then further, when I got to college um, and I picked up a minor in religious studies and I started really focusing in on Eastern religions and philosophies, um, I kind of got a bit of a better understanding of, for one, what meditation is, and and to why it would be useful because like like my frustration before was that like in my psychology classes we talk about meditation and we just kind of talk about all of the like health benefits it like calms your heart rate and it does this and it does that like all of these on the surface things that it does for you um mm-hmm. and honestly I, I just wasn't interested in just like using meditation as some type of like pill it, it just kind of seemed weird to me, the way that they were telling me to use it for my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I kind of learned more about what consciousness is and what, you know, what we are and, like, what meditation is in the sense that we are awareness and meditation is focusing your awareness, strengthening your consciousness. Once I learned that, the idea became a lot more compelling to me. It, it, mm-hmm. it became it became a lot more essential um, just based off of the understanding of what it is. It's not this thing that I'm doing for my body. It's this thing that I'm doing for my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. So what would you describe as consciousness in your own words? Um, in my own words, I'd say that everything that is real is consciousness. Um mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know that sounds a bit <laughs> out there to because that implies that not everything is real. But in, in the sense that we all come from one source, I feel like all of the major religions agree upon this. Mm-hmm. What they call that source, they call it different names. I call it source for that reason. We all come from the same source. And yeah, so, oh, you're still going. I'm sorry. I'm to say y'all come from the same source, and we know that source is love and light. Everybody agrees on that. So if we come from the source, and the source is love and light, that's who we are. That's what consciousness is, and everything else is an illusion. Like everything else is not real in the grandest scheme. Obviously, mm-hmm. you can't go around like <laughs> pretending like I mean like engaging with things not being real and, you know, messing up your life. For the sake of you getting through your life, you have to acknowledge the illusion to some extent. But when you do acknowledge that it is an illusion on the grandest scheme, it can be very therapeutic to you and your growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
for some of the listeners out there, <clears throat> what Charlie's saying is that, like, a lot of <clears throat> what you perceive as real um, is something – the things that are kind of man-made um, are the things that are kind of unreal in a way. And the things that kind of naturally are the things that – are, like, deeper than the surface. Um, and this goes deeper than, like, it's just, like, this connective energy. Like, if you take a moment right now on the podcast, just take a deep breath in, and then hold that breath in, and then exhale out. Just feel what happens there. And just see kind of what you see, what you feel. And that's kind of that consciousness right there. So, yeah, yeah thank you for sharing that with everyone. Um that's a nice that's a nice turn because I have another question now. So, how how would you de- would you describe depression as a part of the um illusion or the things that aren't real or the feelings that um they do exist, but would you consider depression as like almost the living in the past? Like what does the word depression mean to you? Um depression what depression means to me? Depression um and anxiety come from a similar or same source but have different outcomes and the source to me is believing in the power of the illusion not necessarily mm. believing in the illusion like i said it's not necessarily healthy to just kind of dissociate with everything going on around you but <laughs> believing <laughs> But believing in the power of the illusion, believing in that things have power over you that don't, truly believing that. And and, and and depression comes from, like, sometimes there's really, you don't come across reasons, you don't come across people telling you these things. There's no reason for you not to believe the illusion. Mm-hmm. So you do. You have every yeah. reason in the world to believe the illusion. Like, this happened in your life, that happened in your life, this person left. Like, you have every reason to believe the illusion, so you do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of that's kind of what depression and anxiety is like. Kind of forgetting that we have the ability to step back because the emotions are so strong. Mm-hmm. They're so deep into the illusion, and that's something I've been working on, especially through 2019. And I feel like I'm. I'm at a place I really like right now, but I'm definitely going to keep my work going. Yeah. But just kind of even, like, even allowing yourself when you're super, super emotional, maybe, like, an hour has gone by, and in your mind you thought, it's too late, like, you know, I can't do anything about the state I'm in, still allowing yourself to set, take a step back and see what happens. I like that. Right. Raise yourself back up to your awareness, because that's what you are. You are what you are aware of. You're not your thoughts. Mm. You are what you are aware of. So that's something that I've been practicing, yeah. I like that. Raise yourself back to your awareness. And your awareness is basically what you're focusing on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that meditation... Um, a really any mindfulness practice kind of offers you a, I'm going to say a neutral space to kind of 
distract the mind from things that it no longer needs to be attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say neutral because there, I mean, it really depends on what you're meditating on. It depends on your feelings, your intentions. It depends on a lot of different things in my perspective um, for it to be, you know, useful. And there's so many different types of meditation. There's walking, there's staring at a flame, there's, you know, lying on your back and just breathing, pranayama meditation. So there's many different um, forms. There's even walking meditations, which I like to. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're like a good kind of um, way to bring new people into the practice of kind of meditating and different things like that. Um, just mm-hmm. because walk, but like we're, we're used to walking, but instead of walking fast or instead of, you know, walking and not taking notice of things, each step is like mindful, like even just mm-hmm. from like the heel coming down to the big toe mound, or really just kind of if you think of, if you look at your foot, think about the three points that kind of touch the floor. So the big toe mound is basically connected to your big toe, and just feeling like each part, just pressing down, taking notice of like the shoulders, taking notice of like the space around you and where you are, and you might even start to even like. When I'm, like, walking somewhere and I'm being more mindful, I'll start to notice, oh, wow, this house has this thing. Oh, wow, like, this supermarket actually has, like, really nice cathedral ceilings or, like, you know, these different mm-hmm. things that we don't, yeah. we don't take the time to notice until we're mindful. Yeah. And that way so, your reality can literally change. Like, just things you didn't perceive before are have entered your awareness, you know, like, and that's what meditation can do. It strengthens your awareness so that... You can see more of what's going on around you. I love it. It's it's such a good tool. And even as, like, a coach myself, there's still times that I, like, I need, like, to reach out to someone else. Or, like, so if you are, you know, even if you feel like you're at the top of your game with whatever you're doing, or even if you see someone that you perceive and put on a pedestal that's at the top of the game, know that we're all just trying to figure it out. And Absolutely. Some of us, yeah, like to teach, you can teach anything, but to really walk what you teach is what's important. And, um, you know, that's the hardest part. That's the hardest thing I'd say for anyone um, that is a teacher or that, you know, and I feel like, Charlie, with your work, you're teaching, you know, you're teaching a lot of people just through your music. And that's like a form of people can like meditate to your music or they could walk to your music or they can do, they can dance to your music. They can, yeah, they can definitely dance. <laughs> <laughs> a form of meditation. Um, so how would you describe um, the ways that you've experienced depression um, and maybe some of the feelings that came to the surface? Um. I experienced depression a lot based off of the feeling of worthlessness for for whatever reason when I am like when I'm in the deeps and the depths of depression the I'll call it the illusion since we referred to this before the illusion is telling me that I am a burden that because that I'm depressed in the first place that I am not worthy of anybody dealing with me. Why should anybody have to be subjected to this negative, horrible energy that I'm putting out? 
why should anybody help me despite the fact that I won't want help? <clears throat> I feel like I, I end up isolating myself. Um, it's hard to eat. Um, I either sleep a lot or don't sleep a lot. I kind of flip on that, but I end up not eating a lot. I can't eat a lot when I'm depressed. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just kind of show my, <laughs> I both, like, I just kind of show myself in and, um, that's that's kind of how I would handle it with the the worst of times. Like in the past, I was really bad with like cutting and self harm. Um, just because I did feel like if I did go to people, I'd be such a burden. So it was just like I'd feel like I deserve punishment, or like mm-hmm. maybe the pain could like transmute to like emotional pain. And like for a while, it worked. Like maybe for like a couple years, but it, it that didn't last. Um, All right. So you know what? You know what came up for me here really quickly. Yeah. The burden to feel unhappy. Um. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people deal with that. Um. So what do you believe causes? us to feel like we must be happy and bright and bubbly in order to be connected with other people in the world. Is happiness the only feeling that we should experience in the way that, like, we all perceive the world? Um, I wonder I wonder about that. How do you feel about that? Um, well, no. I, I personally, I don't – I believe all of our emotional range is humans – is very necessary and and helpful to our evolution as a as a species. Um, I feel like we have our the emotional range we do for a reason. Um, it, of course, the negative side of that spectrum isn't necessarily necessarily pleasant to experience. But I feel like we can all empower each other through empathy, like mm-hmm. being being willing to go to that place for someone else and knowing that that person will go to that place for you builds builds everyone up. More so, even though people might not like to admit it, more so than when you're all good and everything's fine and you're partying and, you know, like there's not a stress in the world. The, the bonds that are built then are significantly less strong than the bonds that are built when you're going through something. Mm. Yeah, I really, I really wonder then too. So, do you believe that um, the people who go through a lot in life create the strongest bonds and the maybe the strongest and deepest connections with maybe fewer people, whereas sometimes people who are engaged with a lot of people, they don't really have that strong of a bond, and that's probably what causes a lot of, you know, just, like, not fake friends, but, you know, fake people. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I do believe that. I do feel like it just takes genuinely hard and trying times to build that type of strong, quote-unquote, ride-or-die friendship that you see being talked about. And a lot of the reason why fake friends are existing is because people don't have to go through that much with each other anymore. People can have a million friends. Like, it's not a matter of needing to stick by these two or three people, you know. Um, 
so yeah, I, I definitely feel like that that's a huge factor in why yeah. that happens the way it does. So would you say that our hard times are a blessing? Yes. Um, it's hard. For, I want to say yes. In disguise. Because, I mean, I, I try to be careful about about kind of just implying that um, people just need to deal with it and suck it up and we're all love and light anyway. Like, I, I, I want to acknowledge the, <laughs> the, the reality of what we're feeling in the moment and in the experience, which is what we're here to do, ex- experience this, yeah. you know, this place. Um, so no geez. cognitive oh, no. dissonance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, geez, no, I, I, I lost where I was going with that. What was I saying? Well, we were um, talking about, um, yeah, the hard times being a blessing and how... Yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but yes, in the grandest scheme... And when I say the grandest scheme, I mean the biggest picture outside of this earth, our solar system, like the grandest scheme, it is a blessing to you because on your soul's path to to your higher self, like, you know, to reaching ascension, whatever you want to call it, um, it is helping you. And that's why you're, that's why you're going through it in the first place. Um, like, uh, I grew up in a, I grew up in a really Christian household. Um, and I know a lot of other people in this country did as well. So something um, people might be able to relate to is the saying that God doesn't put you through anything that you're not strong enough to handle. At first, mm-hmm. when I was taught that when I was a child, I didn't really understand it. It felt like I couldn't handle it. I was suicidal. Like, everything felt like it was out of control. But mm-hmm. now I feel like I have a broader perspective on what that means. Like, we are literally – we are we – are, here to strengthen ourselves to strengthen our consciousness that's like through experience that's how we do it Mm-hmm. so sheltering ourselves is not really a way to strengthen ourselves yes. we really have to kind of absolutely get out get out the door and get the day started and you know maybe say hello to someone that you never thought you would before and you know even if you're feeling a little down or if you notice someone feeling down, maybe just go over and say hello. I definitely have done something like that before. Um, even we were at the bar the other night um, filming for this um, kind of movie thing that my friend's doing. Um, and, yeah, there was someone sitting at the bar kind of alone. And I was like, you know what? I got up my little, I got my little purse. I walked over. I was like, Hi can I sit next to you and my friend? And then we sat next to them and they were really cool. And, you know, like it just, I think those experiences, yeah, they do help us to, and even though we didn't get deep, you know, I wouldn't consider them like a deep friend that I met, but I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. just kind of experiencing life and taking that moment to put yourself out there and those feelings, if you're not that type of person at all to ever reach out to someone, maybe try it for once. See what happens. You never know. You never know who you'll meet in the world. Yeah. So yeah, I really like that um that outlook. And I really love that you're you're not one of those cognitively dissonant people who are like, Yeah, well this happened but it's all love and light, so yeah. over it. so, <laughs> yeah, no. No. like we all have we all feelings are valid. Even like all feelings if you're saying it's all love and light, then 
why are you saying that my feelings of being angry are not part of love and light? Then exactly. What yes. What are exactly. these feelings then? And we're all really just looking for, we're all just looking for peace in the end. And that's really what got me into teaching yoga. I used to bartend. And I was like, okay, well, this job will bring me financial peace. But I didn't realize how much I was, like, kind of being a part of, you know, just a lot of people's toxic um, mm-hmm. tendencies to find. And and drinking and, like, like, all, like, substances really are just another way to um, disassociate the mind or just distract the mind from something that it's being attracted to right now that you really don't want it to be. So mm-hmm. you've ever been like, oh, I'm mad about this. Let me smoke a cigarette. Or, oh, I'm angry about my partner cheating on me. Let me go to the bar and drink. And then, you know, eventually, like, yeah, we can mask those feelings, but then they they don't they don't go away. So I think what's really cool about the mindfulness practice is that not that the feelings go away, but we – I'm not going to say that we forget them, but we, we – internalize them and feel them to their deepest, deepest feeling. Like, feel those feelings. If you're feeling depressed, dive deep into that feeling. Cry. Let it out in in positive ways, though. You know, like, don't don't hurt yourself, but do things that may um, help you to kind of relieve yourself of these things. And even when you do hurt yourself, you're just causing more trauma and kind of more things that need healing. So it's almost like a it's, – it's definitely <laughs> – it's interesting how, like, what we want in this life, we manifest, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if we want to be sad and angry, you know, and we put on that sad music, and then we end up, you know, drinking and we're feeling sad, and then what happens then, you know? Like, it just kind of... Just feel, just feel into the spiral, really. Mm-hmm. And instead of, like, diving into the feeling consciously, you're diving into... Yeah. You're not even diving into the feeling. The feeling just comes up, and you aren't even aware of what's happening. And then you're you're in jail or something because you beat someone up because you had all these crazy feelings. And instead of you know writing about it, crying about it, or talking about it, you drank about it or did something that wasn't good for you about it. And now you're in another situation, you know. So I think yeah, the spiral effect happens up and downwards. Yeah. So I, and that's yeah, really important maybe. to important to yeah, you say upwards too. Upwards and downwards. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a, you can really build off of your own momentum if you just kinda push. Yeah. And and and, and for whatever reason, at least within my life, I I've kinda seen that things kinda get a little chaotic or a little worse before they get better. But mm-hmm. if you just push that through <laughs> that chaos <laughs> if you just push through that chaos, you'll already have so much momentum. It's just gonna you just boom, like you'll just yeah. keep going. It's so true. I think that things <laughs> things definitely do get a little chaotic. Um, and I know that things are chaotic in my life. I say this a lot on the podcast, but when my room is a mess. I'm like, all right, what's going on in my life? That's usually a good thing to go to. And then I'm like, okay, I see. Um, so, yeah, what are some of the things that you start to notice maybe in your life that happens when 
your mind starts to become or your life starts to become a little bit more chaotic? What are some of the signs that you notice? Um, and I know you told us, like, you, like, um, isolate yourself. Are there, like, any, like, cleanliness signs that you notice, too? Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely. I get pretty much the same thing. Like, uh, I just end up picking up stuff left. There's just more clothes on the floor. Like, there's just kind of, like, yeah, when it, and it gets to the point where I can't really walk around anymore because there's just clothes everywhere. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> something, something's going on, going on. <laughs> yeah and that's that awareness that's tapping back into that awareness so um I'm, so the music that you're sharing um what are some ways that folks can um check out your music and are you doing any shows locally in virginia or should we look out for you in 2020 tell us some more um well, I'll say you should definitely look out for me for 2020. Um, I don't have any, like, books, like, paid gigs yet, even though I feel that they're coming. I'm, I'm, in, I'm rolling in the momentum. But for now, I am definitely doing open mic nights. Uh, I was just in Norfolk last weekend at Starving Artist Cafe. It was a lot of fun. Um, I it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was able to hand out some pens and some stickers with my logo and oh. album art on it. Um, it's really fun. It's really great. There's some really great, talented um, singers out there as well. Um, I definitely plan on going back. That happens on Fridays. Um, so, yeah, if you're in the Norfolk area, um, I'll definitely be back there. Not this coming weekend because um, I'll be in Baltimore. Um oh, wow. For and there's another open mic night, but it's an audition for a paid gig. So. Oh wow, that's well, what you're going to yeah. Baltimore for. Mhm. All right. Well, I hope that you get it. Um, and you know, just keep doing what you're doing and make sure your mind's centered. Um, before you you get up there. How are you getting there? Are you driving up or taking? Yeah, I'm up? driving. All right. Cool. I love when my queer folks have cars. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we jumped into um a lot of different things. Um, and I want to just thank you again so much for yeah, really bringing to the spotlight um just the conversation on something that we don't always get to talk about, which is our awareness and our consciousness. Um. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you practice yoga at all, Charlie, but um, from the sounds of it, you might be interested in that. Um, and there's definitely some good resources for yoga and things like that. Um, if you want to ever check out some things. I'm working on a YouTube channel now, um, and it's – I have, like, one video up, but it's not It's not what I want. It's like – I'm like, nope, it needs to be this and this. Um and it was like a paid offering. Someone was like, I need to show the world or I need to show some kids here that there are black male yeah. presenting or assigned male at birth folks that are, you know, doing yoga. So mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. But um, I definitely am going to have more videos out on YouTube. So I'll definitely share them with you. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Folks, yeah. To any of the listeners that are interested, um, I think you, if you want to check out my website, it's adventureswithowl.com. That's www.adventures, 
www.wiswithowl.com. Um, Charlie, do you have um, a website or anything for folks to connect with you, or is that still coming in 2020 as well? That's still coming in 2020 as well. But I will say, please, please follow me on Instagram. Um, you can find me, Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I underscore H-A-R-U-H-I. Um, and uh, please uh, listen to my EP, Ship of Imagination, on all major streaming sites, iTunes, Spotify, um, all of them. There's a lot of them out there right now. I, I can never list them all. Um, and if you want to listen to even more music, you can go to my SoundCloud. Um, you can just look up my name there, um, and you can find pretty much everything that I've done. So please check 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 it out. Yes, and Charlie, again, thank you so much for taking the time out um, again to do the podcast. And yeah, hopefully we'll have you on air again soon. Yeah, absolutely. This was so fun.